Well, hey everybody. My name's Justin PRD. I'm ready. I'm ready. Well, hey everybody. We're here for tough questions to your real answers or something like that. Listen, it's not easy to mess that up every single week. And it's I gotta, not. I got to handle yeah. it. I look yeah. professional. Dude. I'm a professional at screwing it up. Like it. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to the Debrief, a weekly Q&A show from your friends here at Sandals Church. I'm your friendly pal, Justin Party, hanging out with my co-host, Stephanie Schaefer. What's up, guys? And we are here with the man himself, Patch Matt Brown. You ready to answer some Why don't uh, you call me uh, the questions? PMB anymore? I don't know. I uh, I just like saying Patch Matt Brown. It's just... I was going to put that on my license plate for my new car, and I decided not to. Oh. Yeah. I wonder if because some weirdos. There, are, yeah, there are a lot of people plate. that love me, and there are a lot of people that don't. Yeah. You know that I am desperate. I literally, probably at least once a month, I go to the DMV's website, and I try and see if I can get the PRD as my license plate, and I can't because somebody else in the state of California, get, in that. Riverside County, I think, has that license plate. I hope it's an old person, and I just keep checking in every month waiting for them you're to die. You're waiting for somebody to die. Dude, yeah. you're like a... Waiting for a kidney. Yeah, that's that terrible. must be like a curse license I want, I want plate. That, like, look, I currently drive around with a license plate that says Mrs. BRD in a teeny tiny little Honda Civic. That's one um, of my favorite things that can, exist in the yeah, world. Yeah, I can throw myself a bone and get the PRD license plate. That's my goal. That's if my goal. If you're out there, the PRD. Yeah, seriously. Please hand that over. Or just die. And no. uh, let me take it the proper way. He doesn't have to. The proper way could be him just giving it to you. If anyone knows anyone about how Thank to make this happen. Thank you for your moral guidance yeah, for yeah, this I'm show. Trying. That's good. <laughs> Some people okay. live a life with Jesus. Have you ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Beauty. Yeah, mm. I'm not one of them me. says, "Thou shalt not kill." I'm not killing, yeah. but you're rooting heart, for but it. Wishing death on killing, someone for a license. How about this verse? Would, love thy enemy. What about an appropriate? As I love thyself. How yeah. about that one? Do you feel like you're living that out? Mm. You guys, uh, I'll be over in the corner praying, and I uh, hope you have a great show. How about this verse? As far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. <laughs> mm. That's I feel a like there's one. a there's just a great yeah. deal of verses that need to be memorized. Yeah, love your neighbor as you love yourself. PRD. Uh, I, hey guys, it's the debrief. I'm Mrs. PRD hanging out here with PMB and Dolores Supersport Schaefer. We are so <laughs> excited to get into some questions all about money. Speaking of money, though, is this show bringing in those five star reviews? That's yes. right. We got one in t- this week from Matt's Evie, which says the debrief is the perfect remedy to my long commute on the 10 freeway every day. Pastor Matt's wisdom and real life approach keep me coming back each week. Even though I'm caught up on all the episodes, I'm hitting the debrief on repeat. Oh, oh man. Thank you, buddy. Hey, yeah. welcome back, Matt Stevie, to this episode. Yeah, I would need a lot of debrief on the 10 freeway. Oh, man, that's yeah. brutal. <laughs> well, uh, let's get right into it then. We'll give you some goodness for your commute and answer some of these questions coming in about money. This first one comes from CJ. This question says, I recently witnessed back-to-back tragic events that have really, hopefully not on the 10 freeway. I've recently witnessed back-to-back tragic events. That was insensitive. I now am just going to go back. Coming around. Yeah, Yeah. you're having a hard time today. Yeah, I, I'm actually did having you, a great time. Did you pray time. this morning? I'm, actually having, have... I'm having a great time, but yeah. CJ says, I recently witnessed back-to-back tragic events that have really opened my eyes and made me rethink my priorities. These recent events make me want to live a less lavish lifestyle and instead use that money for God's work. With that said, I cannot get on the same page with my wife on financial priorities. How do I get that message across short-term and long-term? Hmm. Whoa. Well, you're a wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What do you think? Oh, I it's hard. I'm 
really down with like, all right, well, let's figure this out together. Tyler and I feel like we're on the same page. So I don't tend to want the lavish Mm -hmm. lifestyle. And I'm also the CFO of our family and do all the... You're the CFO? I'm the CFO. I'm the nerd. So Mm -hmm. I'm the one that's like... Yeah, look at those glasses, man. (laughs) You're wearing them too. (laughs) Well, fair enough. Mine are fake. Mine are real. So read it to me again. What is he saying? How do I get on the same page with my wife financially? He wants to uh, be a better steward, it sounds like, Mm -hmm. uh, and be more intentional about giving, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, so here's the first thing that I would encourage you to do. I'm assuming uh, this person attends Sandals Church. Sounds like it. Yeah, so don't miss our self-discovery series that's coming up immediately after mm-hmm. Easter. We're going to be walking through uh, the nine different personalities of the Enneagram. And so here's what's really important uh, as we go through that series. Don't miss. Invite all of your friends. It's going to be incredible because what we're going to talk about is what motivates us. And so the issue is what's happening in your wife's heart that's mm-hmm. motivating her to want to spend and do these things. And so rather than trying to deal with the external issue, that series is going to focus on what's going on on the inside. And so oftentimes, you know, what's happening is maybe we feel better about ourselves because the 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 thing presents an image uh, that we're better than we really are or maybe it's just an addiction to spending or it's 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 a way that, you know, our body re- uh, relieves reliefs releases, there's the mm-hmm. word endorphins and so we get like a little high from spending or shopping. And so, look, there's nothing wrong with shopping or spending or whatever, unless there's an issue in your marriage where you're not on the same page. You need to be on the same page. In every area, you need to be on the same page. And so, um, you know, my wife and I have to work hard to be on the same page. And oftentimes, I would say, usually we don't start on the same page. Yeah. So we have to figure out to get there. Money was the most difficult issue for Tammy and I to figure out. You know, both of us grew up in very, very poor households. Um, there were very, very scarce times. My family was really, really good at budgeting. Um, you know, my mom was probably a lot like you. Mm-hmm. Very, 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 very careful to spend exactly what and only what we had. You know, Tammy's family um, had a, most of their ch- her childhood was very, very uh, spare, sparse. But then there were times where there was a lot and, mm-hmm. and money was not uh, spent as well. So she was always afraid of literally famine. So we had to work through that and try to come to some middle ground on spending and mm-hmm. budgeting. And um, so I just would encourage you to sit down, share your heart and just say, I want to be on the same page with you. And I would just ask her, how how do you see that happening? Mm-hmm. I mean, part of spiritual leadership is is speaking to your spouse and saying, I wanna hear from you and your heart. So share the concern. And the concern is not her spending. That's a recipe for a fight and a counseling visit. <laughs> the concern is, I want to be on the same page financially. And so here's the thing to every woman out there that is a wife. Um, I think that, you know, women, especially that are in the home, taking care of kids, you have a perspective that uh, a lot of us as guys don't get and don't understand. And and we need to be sympathetic to that. But a lot of women don't have the perspective of how much pressure is on the husband to generate money, make money, and provide. And so um, you need to you need to be sympathetic and understanding for him. Uh, because what's better than making more money is spending less. That's always the mm-hmm. more spiritual decision. It's always more spiritual to spend less than it is to try to make more or spend more. And so I just would try to figure out a way where you can talk about that, come together and have a reasonable conversation. You may need a mediator. Mm-hmm. You just you just might need that. Uh, we have a couple classes here at, at Sandals Church that you can take that will try to help you get on the same page in terms of spending. Um, but again, you know, just talk about Try to talk about why, find out why, because the reality, here's what I discovered. Um, actually, I would say I spent way more money early on than my wife did, and it wasn't even close and put us in you know, financial risk because of my impulsive decisions. Mm-hmm. 
And what I had to deal with is the immediacy of spending made me feel good and originally, but then it made me feel terrible after I had to deal with or pay the interest on the credit card for the issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so now we're on, you know, now we're at a place where if we don't have cash, we don't, we don't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, if I can't buy it cash, then we don't buy it. But that's 22 years yeah. to get there. So, so I would just say, have a conversation and share your heart in a non-aggressive, non-attacking way. And just say, I, I, I feel like we're not on the same page financially and I want to be. Mm-hmm. How do you see us getting there? Yeah. And just yeah. O- open that up. And just know that most conversations over very, very serious issues are not solved in one discussion. Mm-hmm. They happen over time. And uh, my wife and I recently had to have a conversation um, about something that's causing tension between us. And I thought for a week, a week of trying to come up with an analogy that would communicate to her how I was feeling about something she was doing. It took me a week. And even then I was scared to death to present it because I'm like, I don't want this to, I don't want to throw gasoline on the fire. Mm-hmm. And um, praise God, she actually handled it really, really well. And and my analogy worked. So, mm-hmm. but I am a professional communicator. Pastor Matt, what do you think about this idea? You know, we, we have a lot of neat people that come to San Luis Church that have various levels of need. Um, what what if CJ were to reach out to his campus pastor or maybe even a uh, the soul care team if he attends a Hunter Park campus and say, hey, we want to fi- help somebody who's in need. We can, we've got 200 bucks or 500 or whatever the budget is mm-hmm. and just see how they could help a family to um, just get exposed to the way that giving and generosity changes somebody else's life. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, if the person is a six or not a six, a five, um, you know, and greed is at the core, right. that's going to be very, very difficult. It's yeah. very, very difficult to release something that's you know closed in your hand, and so um, we have to we have to we have to deal with that. You know the old the old saying of how do you catch a monkey? You put a cookie in a jar where you know the monkey puts his hand in the jar, but they can't get it out. <laughs> no, that, I've never heard. This you never heard that? <laughs> that? That's a very the catchy. Old, yeah, most old people say it old saying and it's catchy. It can't it can't get its hand out of the jar, and that's how they would catch okay, it. Okay. So then you whack the monkey over the head because it won't release what's in its hand. It won't. Mm. Mm. And Ironically, it, that's how my mom would capture me every time she needed to spank me. Yeah, because you're a monkey. <laughs> yeah, I'd be the, um, so heading yeah. for that cookie jar. Yeah, that's just the way they used yeah. to catch them. You, yeah. you put mm-hmm. some kind of treat in a jar where they can get their hand in, but they can't get it out when it's grasped. And that's mm-hmm. what the sin of greed does: is is we're not free. Yeah, and so yeah. she needs to be set free if that's her issue. I'm not saying that it is, but it might be. So um, you've just you know, talked about motivations a bunch of times, and I, sometimes experiencing something that's really cool helps you mm-hmm. develop positive motivations. Or yeah, well, I think even I think what would be helpful and what's been helpful for Tyler and I is having a good picture of where we want to be. Like, mm-hmm. what are our actual goals, or what are our priorities? Like, well, we'd love to be at this point in a few years. So that means we're not going to buy the new car right now. We're not going right. to do this right now. We want it. Like, we've got a lot of things we want to do, and we've just had to talk through. Okay, if these are the things we want to do. These are things we have to say no to. And it's helped us come at it. I think from a positive direction rather than no, we can't spend that. No, because I'm the type of like we just shouldn't buy anything. We should just put everything in savings. It's like, well, we can't do yeah. that. We need to live our lives. But yeah. talking about, well, here's what, where we want to be in a few years. Here's what that's going to look like. So here are the things we're probably going to need to say no to right now, mm-hmm. um, which has been helpful because I think it's come from a more positive direction of, oh, cool, well, we're working toward these things. I like these things. I want these things. And so maybe for this conversation with your wife of what are what are some of the things that she wants? What are the things that she wants down the road? What are the things that you want? How do we get there so that we get these things that we want? Maybe that's being more generous. Maybe that's focusing less on things. But I think talking about your goals and how you want to get there rather than here's all the things we need to cut out because I want to start 
giving yeah, warm. Absolutely. And so you, you just got to be really careful because I don't know the spiritual health of his wife. Right, you know, right, I, don't, right. I don't know where she is spiritually. And so, you know, he does. And so, and oftentimes we're not on the same page, you know, even in terms of our faith. So um, I think what Stephanie was talking about is, you know, a spiritual pursuit is, it's called delayed gratification. Mm-hmm. Saying no to my impulses today so I can say yes to happiness and blessing down the line. And, and Americans just aren't good at this. We're not good at that. We're all about instant gratification. And I got it now. That's why they invented a thing called a credit card, yeah. mm-hmm. which actually puts you further behind <clears throat> than forward. And so you have to learn to say no to yourself. And, 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 and what are we doing as Christians? We're saying no to our impulses and our desires because we want to say yes to heaven right. and eternity. Mm-hmm. And so literally that is... The Christian pathway to happiness is learning to say no to my impulses and my desires so I can say yes to good things long-term. And, um, you know, the book of Proverbs says that you the, the best way to make money is by saving a little over time. That's the best way. So uh, money that's earned very, very quickly oftentimes is problematic. So mm-hmm. I'll be praying for you, man. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. This next question comes in from Eric, who asks, what are your thoughts on saving for retirement? Why should I plan for tomorrow when I'm not guaranteed today? Or why should I save my money for tomorrow when I'm not guaranteed for today? Of course, I understand the practical aspects of savings and having money in the bank for a rainy day. But when does that become a problem or a blockade to enjoying your life and helping others now? Yeah, absolutely. I think you need to learn to do both. So here's what Tammy and I do is we live off 80% of our income. We tithe 10%. Minimum, actually, we're at about 12.5% now. But we started off with, with 10%. Um, and we save 10. That's our goal. So we have a minimum number in savings for a rainy day because you, you just don't know what's going to happen. Uh, we give um, over 10% to the church and to um, uh, charities and to uh, our, our mission support. Um, and on top of that, we uh, put away 15% in retirement. And so I have to do that because I'm self-employed mm-hmm. uh, and I'm a pastor. So I, I don't like, like if you're a police officer, or you work for the state, you know, they have a retirement program for you. Mm-hmm. For for pastors, we don't have that. So um I have to I have to put that away, you know, outside of my income. So I have to do those things and we're fine. We're doing we're doing fine. So what I would just say is it's wise to save for a rainy day. It's wise to say I can't tell you how many old people I've met at our church and by old I mean uh, late 80s. Mm-hmm. And 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 they tell me I never thought I would live this long. Mm-hmm. And most Americans are not ready for living that long. And so the reality is yeah, you can blow all your money today. And then what you do is you put the burden on your fellow Americans to take care of you when you're old because you didn't plan. And that's actually, I think, is sin. Mm. If you're partying today and we all have to take care of you tomorrow, that's sin. You're not, you know, your first responsibility as a Christian is to work so that you may eat and provide for yourself and to save up for a rainy day. You know, when Jesus talks about the shrewd manager, the shrewd manager is complimented by Jesus because he's thinking about the future. Mm-hmm. And so we need to think about the future. And Jesus actually says that the people of this world are more shrewd than believers. Mm-hmm. So sometimes as believers, we we fall into this trap where we think, well, God's in control, so I don't have, I, I'm not responsible to make good decisions. Well, y- you are. Mm-hmm. And so God's not gonna bail you out of your stupidity. He's just not gonna, sorry, just self-tweeted. Um, but a lot of Christians believe that, that I can be as stupid as I wanna be, but God's in control and he's gonna get me through this and my decisions don't matter. Your decisions do matter. So you need to start saving as soon as possible, just a little bit. Um, you know, especially like at Sandals Church, we have some kind of matching. I forget what it is. I think we match up to 3% of what mm-hmm. you guys put away. I don't know exactly what it is. Don't hold me accountable for that. I'm not Brian Schlett. So, but, but our church, so what we do is when you choose to save, 
Sandals actually says, we'll double that. Mm-hmm. So your money is actually doubling the second you save it. So why wouldn't you do that? I mean, where else in life can your money instantaneously double? Yeah. So what we're trying to do is encourage people to think about the future because we don't want to be a burden to others. You know, so my first responsibility is to care for and lead my family. And then I want to make sure that I don't financially break my kids when I'm older. You know, and I'm actually having to have these conversations with my parents now of saying, hey, I want to make sure that, you know, you don't put me in the poor house because you didn't save. And, and here's what this looks like. And so my parents have done a great job of saving and putting things away. But we were talking about things like long-term care and stuff yeah. like that because, mm-hmm. you know, my grandpa's in a home right now and it's 10 grand a month. Yeah. That's, okay, I don't, I don't care how wealthy yeah, you are. That's a lot of money. Sure is. You know, $10,000 a month. And, and that is only going to go up. Um, so, so make sure that you, you save that. And I think you should have a good time. Some people are on the other end. They're, they're so overwhelmed, like Stephanie, maybe with, <laughs> you know, having enough security and safety. And I think part of that's just being a new mom, freaking out a little bit is probably the way God's wired you. And I think that that's good. And, um, you know, our first example was the woman spends more. Typically, it's the guy's. Yeah, guys are a little more guys are a little more cavalier than women because you know there's just a part of a woman giving birth to a child and understanding this is a long-term deal that you know guys we participate in the making of the baby but we don't participate in the, the you know the, the the everyday reality of this child is growing inside me and and there's a connection there that as guys we don't often get so i think typically not all the times because sometimes it's the woman that's making the house bankrupt but a lot of times it's guys. So I think it's very, very important. It's wise to save. So um, it's unwise to not save. And I would say it's actually sinful to mm-hmm. not save. Yeah, so move, saw... into a, move into a smaller house, move into an apartment. You don't need to own a house. Uh, you don't need to live the American dream. What you need to do is you need to be faithful with the money that you've had. And then Jesus says, God will bless you with more. Mm-hmm. But if you can't handle what you have, why would he give you more? Yeah. Yeah, I actually just started my retirement savings this last month. <clears throat> so for the first, so I finally have that going, which I've been excited about. But then, you know, we, we, you and I were talking a few weeks ago. I can't remember what it was, but just even about life insurance and, and mm-hmm. saving and thinking strategically. And I remember several years ago, probably six, seven years ago, I just watched um, a, a young dad, you know, tragically lose his life unexpectedly. And I watched his wife, who was a hard worker, she was employed and everything, but the emotional, uh, intensity and all oh, that. Yeah. I just watched her just kind of struggle underneath that burden. And then, I mean, literally the next day I'm calling life insurance saying, Hey, how can, how can we make this work? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trying to stop thinking less about, and it was, it wasn't easy at first. Like, you know, the extra, however much of that was a month was not easy eight years ago. And I'd still, I still, I don't know. That's one of the things. Sometimes you, we just went through tax season and you look at, here's where all the money went over the course of the last year. Mm-hmm. And you go, man, I, I it sure would have been awesome to have an extra three and a half thousand dollars this year. Yeah. But it's I it's totally worth it. For yeah, the talk to a financial planner, but this is what mine told me that my life insurance needs to cover 10 years of my wages. Hmm. 10 years. Um, you know, because I don't want Tammy to have to, you know, get married or you do something. I mean, you know, right? It's it's tough. You know, mm-hmm. if she wants to get married, that's fine, but I don't want her to have to feel that way to be able to support our, our kids. And and my kids are a little older, but the reality is how old are your kids? Uh eight, six. Four and two. Yeah, Pray so, for me. Yeah, so, I mean, you literally have, um, at minimum, 16 years of income that Lindy would need mm-hmm. in order to support at yeah. your current level uh-huh. to get them. And that's not even for college. Right. So um, so I added in, okay, um, wedding, college, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a little money to help them, you know, buy a house. I, I put all of that into my plan and I said, okay, this is, this is what I want um, to be able to take care of. Because the last thing I want my wife to worry about as she's grieving 
my loss is is money and yeah. losing the mm-hmm. house and and we've even talked about you know what should she do with the money you know mm-hmm. um you know we own two houses you know should you sell one what should you do because I, I, I handle a lot of those things that she doesn't handle mm-hmm. and so I just told her you know um we have some friends in the church that I've told her to, to go to that I trust and um, we'll come alongside and help her make those decisions because man it's death is especially when it's un, unexpected <clears throat> is so hard to to think about it you're you'll be making lifelong decisions when you're griefing and not clear mm-hmm. and so I want to make sure that you know Tammy doesn't have to be grieving <clears throat> and freaking out and and then worrying about money yeah so well there you go Eric a lot of a lot of stuff in there on that question uh we think you should do it. All right, why asked this previously? You've taught that God always answers prayers with three options: yes, no, or maybe. Yeah, somebody was listening to episode yes, ninety-nine. Amen. Good job. In Mark eleven twenty-three through twenty-four, Jesus is saying that we will receive whatever we pray for if we truly believe and have absolutely no doubt we will receive it. Why then would God answer our prayers with no or maybe? Is it only because we still have doubt in our hearts? How can we overcome that doubt? Right. Absolutely. Um, I, I can't remember what sermon it was. I, maybe a couple of years ago, I, I dealt with this issue. There are churches that believe in a thing called name it and claim it. Mm-hmm. So whatever you name, you can claim it and it will happen. I believe that's a heretical teaching. That is not true. And if you don't believe me, that's not true. Go ask God for something today. And if you don't get it, then you'll agree that I'm right. Um, that's just the reality. So we are not God. God is God. And so here's the little caveat that a lot of people miss. Jesus says, whatever you ask for in my name. And what that means is, is whenever I ask for something that God is in agreement with and a part of, absolutely, I will get that. That's what it means, according to his name. So you got to go back to the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not take the Lord thy God's name in vain. Do not attribute things to God that are not God. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, if I say Sandals Church needs to buy me a private jet and I name it and I claim it, that's ridiculous. God, God, I do not believe that any pastor needs a private jet. Now, I realize there are some pastors out there who have that. I think they're wrong. I, I think that's ridiculous. There's nothing wrong. What about wrong. helicopters? Yeah, would you see that one in New York City? I ain't getting <laughs> on one of those. So, um, you know, I, I just think it's ridiculous. You know, Sandals Church, I believe, is obligated to take care of me as their pastor and to honor me with a salary that's 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 good. Mm-hmm. But they're not, they're, that's not their job to make me rich. I'm mm-hmm. not a king. Christ is the king. Mm-hmm. And so that's the reality. So we gotta be very, very careful. So whenever I ask for something in God's name, you know, like one of the things, if you come to the Hunter Park campus, I'm asking God for is the field to our left. Mm-hmm. So if you want to join me in prayer for that, start praying every single week for the field to the left. Why do we need that? For everyone who comes to the Hunter Park campus and can't find a parking space, that's why we need that field. Hey, and just for clarity, how long have you been asking that for that? Uh, about four years. Yeah. About four years. So now, before that, I was praying for a church building for 11 years. Yeah. So you got to keep praying. That's why Jesus said, keep praying, keep asking, mm-hmm. is it in his name? And so now I'm seeing God just answer prayers left and right, but it's because I've been praying them for 20 years. Mm-hmm. For 20 years, I've been asking God for these things. And so, um, you know, I, I think that we need to to pray it. You know, is what I'm asking for good, right, and true? Not just from my perspective, my desires or my advantages. A lot of us pray for and ask for this particular guy or girl to fall in love with us. And, and we're really glad they say that God says yeah, no Yeah, that sometimes. God said no. So, you know, um, Jesus says this, if your son asks you for an egg, would you give him a snake? No. So you being evil, that's what he says to us. That's Please Jesus. Don't look at me when you say, yeah, you just sorry. look at the camera. Yeah. You being evil, if <laughs> yeah. you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give 
yeah, to yeah. those whom he loves totally. and asks. And so God is going to give us what's best. And sometimes what's best is no or wait mm-hmm. or yes. And so, um, you know, for example, um, recently I was really, really praying for, um, you know, uh, a donor to step up and pay for the uh, for the uh, San Bernardino campus. I, I thought it was going to happen. Yeah. I thought God had provided. <clears throat> um, and it turned out that 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 person didn't feel led to do that. And I had to wrestle with that. Mm-hmm. So we, we moved ahead with the, you know, the San Bernardino campus and, and, and bought it. And um, I just have to trust God in that process. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes we have to deal with no. And, and no's are never fun. I, I don't know anybody that just, I just love it when people <laughs> say no to me. You know, we don't like that, but God's God. And that's part of the problem is if you truly worship God, then God can say no and you still love him. Mm-hmm. If God always has to say yes, then he's not God. He's a genie. Mm. And he and that's not who he is. God is God, and he can say no. He does not owe us an explanation. Sure, he, he doesn't. You know, uh, we were in a small group last night, and one of our small group members just is really, really wrestling with the question of why. Why did this happen? And I just said, "Have you read Job? You know, like thirty-five chapters of Job is why. Mm-hmm. And what does God say in the end? None of your business. Mm-hmm. I'm God. You're not. Shut up. You either worship me or you don't." He doesn't owe us an explanation. And and whenever we, I think it's natural to ask why, but whenever we we really get stuck on that, we really have to be honest because we've made ourselves equal with God. Mm. If God owes me an explanation, if I demand an explanation from God, what am I doing? I'm putting myself in, you know, at his level and I'm just not at his level. I'm not God. He doesn't owe me an explanation. I don't understand everything about life. I'm not called to understand everything. I'm called to have faith. I'm called to trust him, follow him, mm-hmm. and love him because he is good. Mm-hmm. And so God's going to do great things. I mean, look what he put his own th- son through. Mm-hmm. Jesus did not want to die on the cross. He said, God, if there's any other way. But ultimately, what does he say? Not my will, but yours. And he's not just praying that for himself, but he's praying it as an example to all of his followers. God, at the end of the day, I'm going to ask for what I want. But, you know... Uh, you're God and you're going to mm-hmm. decide. And so my my hands, uh, my life, my soul is in your hands. And so I'm just going to entrust you to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is going to be the second time in the history of the debrief. I recommend the same exact song, but it's called Where Were You? Uh, awesome band oh called Ghost Ship. Uh, they got a record called The Good King. Uh, look it up, Spotify, Apple Music, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's that. It's basically that whole wrestling Job um, asking God why. It's it's amazing. Mm -hmm. If you're in that place, listen to that song. It'll help you. Yeah, here's what knows pain and suffering reveal. We don't love God nearly as much as we think we do. Mm -hmm. That's what it reveals. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, uh, man, it's just just tough to trust God in in spite of a no. So I I think that we need to ask for things in in God's name. You know, I asked God 20 years ago to build his church. Well, he answered that. Because why? That's what he's about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, but if I would have prayed for a mansion 20 years ago, you know, I didn't get that. I didn't pray for it, but that's not God's responsibility to- Holding out for a mansion in those heavenly hills. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like getting answers of no from God has actually grown my faith a lot over the years Yeah. of like being willing to submit things to God and say like, okay, God, this is what I really want. Like, but I want you to decide for me. And then having God say no, and then me seeing on the other end, all the things that I wasn't aware of. And I'm now really thankful that God said no. It's actually grown my faith and realized like, oh, I can trust God. I can trust him to say no to me because mm-hmm. sometimes I want him to say no to me when I don't see why saying right. no would be a good idea at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've really appreciated that. And so I think it's not necessarily even a matter of 
overcoming doubt or even like, I feel like when you pray in Jesus name, you're not just saying like, that's not the magic. Like, Hey, I sprinkle that on there. So now God has to say yes. It's sort of saying like, well, in Jesus name, like I'm submitting because Jesus is my Lord. So therefore you come under whatever you Mm. decide. Yeah. So I think it's both. Cause I think I've always thought that like, Oh, that's like the magic trick to, that's how you get God to say yes, is you just throw in the little, like when your parents say like, what do you say? You say, please. Yeah. Yeah. So here, I just remembered the recipe Mm. from the sermon. It's important as Christians that we believe that God can. And when I posted this on Twitter, I got rebuked by a bunch of name it and claim it people, but I don't care. They're wrong. So here, here's where you can't lack faith. You have to believe God can never ever doubt God's ability to answer your prayer. Yeah. So we, we believe that he can, we pray that he will. God, please. So, so prayer is a request. And then we trust his answer. That's the recipe for great faith. Believe that he can, pray that he will, trust his answer, whatever it is. And the answer is always yes, no, or wait. Mm-hmm. Yes, no, or wait. Mm-hmm. And so we, we just have to trust that. And so, you know, and you don't have to believe me, but I got 20 years of following the Lord under my belt. And uh, I think I'm right. 25 years, I think, to be specific. Yeah. Well, specifically leading out on my own. And, All right, fair enough. Yes. Um, you know, because a part of my early Christian life was following other pastors and leaders. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between uh, following a leader and being the leader. There's a whole different level of stress. I mean, you, yeah. I can accept that. Yeah. I'm happy right where I am. Yeah. Okay, this question came in anonymously. You mentioned, Pastor Matt, in a sermon that we should not love money. I find it hard to do because I currently live in a family that highly values materialism and possessions. How do I practice how do I practically withstand the pressure to conform and honor God with my finances? Yeah, I'm sorry that your family values those things. That's tragic. Um, love people, not things. Love people, not things. You know, Jesus uh, shows us that over and over and over again. He says it's it's almost impossible for the rich to inherit the kingdom of God. It's very, very difficult. Um, you know, most, most rich people, you know, even in our own church who have a ton of money, don't tithe. No, we're even close. Nowhere even close mm-hmm. to 10% of their income. And um, and I think that's tragic for them. It's absolutely tragic for them that they miss out on the blessings of God. Um, you know, I think about Rick Warren. He's probably the wealthiest person I know. He gives away 90% of his income, 90%. You know, number one book, Christian book of all time, other than the Bible selling. And he just gave it away. Doesn't want it, isn't interested in it. They still live in the same track home. That's nice, but it's a track home. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't buy a mansion in, in Orange County or anything like that. And um, he's just done some amazing, amazing things with his money and, and just blessed the world with that. And, you know, I, I, I want whatever God gives me to be a blessing to his kingdom. You know, I would love, this is my prayer, is I would love to make enough money to pay off our church debt. Mm. I, I would love for Tammy and I to be able to write a church, uh, church write a check to the church to pay off all the debt, mm. to be like, you know, no more. Now we can just focus on missions. We can focus on whatever it is that we need to do. Um, you know, because Sandals Church is not a church with a hundred year old history. A lot of people are critical. Why do you have debt? Because we started with nothing. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we're not Presbyterians <laughs> sitting in a 200 year old building that's been paid for since 1885. <laughs> we, we had to build everything that we have. Mm-hmm. And we started with college kids. So, you know, just like you got a little college debt, Sandals has a little debt. And it's not a ton, but it's more than I, I want it to be. And mm-hmm. my hope is one day that, we, that man, if I could pay that off, if God would bless me to be able to do that, I would much rather uh, pay for, um, you know, my, my spiritual family's house, that, that, that this is our spiritual house. So I think that that's important. I think that, um, you know, money causes more problems than it solves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It really does. 
Um, you know, what happens to wealthy people? I think they have more opportunities to sin. They mm-hmm. just do. They can go more places. They can do more things. I mean, some of you don't have enough money to pay a stripper. A wealthy <laughs> person can pay a stripper every night of the week. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, yeah, I tell people all the time, I never went to strip clubs in college and it's not because maybe I didn't want to. I couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I didn't have that kind of money. <laughs> you know, I couldn't pay for Del Taco, you know? Um, so I think poverty blesses you. That's why Jesus says, blessed are the poor for they shall see God. They see God in unique ways. The other thing is, is sometimes, you know, rich people get bored. Mm. They're bored, man, because they don't have to work. They don't have to provide. And so I think that there are blessings in that, that we don't see. Um, so I, I just would be very, very careful. You know, the Bible says that the love of, of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And so we have to be very, very careful. Um, wealth can cause you to be calloused, to look down upon others. Um, and if you are a wealthy person, here's what I would say to you. You should be more humbled and more broken. Maybe you are smarter than everybody else, but where'd you get that from? Maybe you are more talented than it. Where, where did you get that from? You know, um, LeBron James didn't choose to be LeBron James the wealthiest basketball player in the world right now. God gave him those abilities, those talents. Mm-hmm. God's going to hold him accountable for those abilities and those talents. And so, um, you know, LeBron James is invested in Blaze Pizza. It's really good pizza. Man, I'm really, really thankful. Fastest growing pizza chain in America today. But I want to invest in the church because I don't live to feed people pizza. I live to help people be saved. That That's my goal. So, I just would really encourage you, you really, really have to decide what you're about. And I am very lucky and blessed because my wife wants to be generous. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we talked about this last week, but I did my taxes last week. And, you know, Tammy and I gave more money uh, to charity, to Sandals and to missions than in any year in our history. Um, and it just blows me away. We gave more money to God last year than Sandals church budget the first two years. Hmm. That's pretty cool. That's, That's awesome. Cool. You know, and... Um, I, man, that's just that's just from blessings, from me being able to speak or write a little Bible study or or do this or do that. God has blessed us, and I want to pass that on immediately to the kingdom. And uh, I just I feel good about that. You know what I loved about Claude's message was he said have a giving portfolio. Mm-hmm. You know, people talk about all the things they own and all their property. I want to be able to uh, you know not brag about but share about how we give and what we give and what we're doing. And I think that that's really really important. And um, I love to give. I love to be generous. I want to have open hands with money because I think that that's important. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not taking anything with me. I'm not a, I'm not a nostalgic guy. Um, actually, I wish I would have saved more things from Sandal's story because I think that'd be cool to have those around, but I just don't care about things. And so I didn't save a lot of things that tell our story. And the same thing is true of our house. You know, I I constantly, I, I don't have a huge closet full of clothes. If I don't wear it, I give it away. I mean, I give everything away. Um, half the pastors in this church are wearing my old shirts because <laughs> I just I, I, I just don't want to accumulate stuff. I, I think that hoarding is a sin. It's a, it's, a, it's a brokenness. It's a false sense of security. I think that's what hoarding is. If I just keep all this stuff, I'll be safe and secure. And, you know, the rich fool who says, wow, I've built these barns and I filled these things up. I know what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to sit back, relax, and enjoy my life. And and the Bible says, you fool, tonight your very life has been called and he has to stand before God. And so you, you, you left these barns full of stuff for all these people and you worked for what? And so Jesus says, what does a man gain if he inherits the whole world but forfeits his soul? And you have to decide as a Christian, what are you about? 
what is your motivation? Is it stuff? Is it things? Um, and and you just have to do that. And 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 I I think that's important to me. You know, uh, the house I live in, the cars I drive, everything that I do, and I have nice things, but I don't want them to communicate wealth and status. I think that that's a decision that Tammy and I have made, and we've talked about. You know, I just recently got a new car, and you know, we could have gotten a nicer car, you know, and by nice, I mean, you know, a Mercedes or a, you know, Lexus or, t- but that doesn't communicate the message of my life. And and there are really nice cars that are not that, you know, I drive a Subaru, Tammy drives a Ford and we're very, very happy. We, we love those cars. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's not a distraction to a world that says you're better if you drive a Mercedes, you're better if you drive a BMW. And I'm not saying it's a sin if you drive those cars. It is a sin if your identity is wrapped up in that car. Yeah. Your identity yeah. should be wrapped up in Jesus. And I think it's a tragedy if your car payment keeps you from tithing. I, I just do. I, I think it's, a, if your vacation keeps you from giving to the Lord, if your house payment keeps you from giving to the Lord, those are sins. And so I would rather live in a smaller house and um, you know, Tammy and I, we just found a house we really, really liked um, down near the plaza. And we talked about it and we can afford it. But I just was like, babe, this is not going to allow us to be as generous as we want to be. We can make the payment, no problem. There isn't a bank in America that wouldn't give us the loan. But I just was like, I would rather live in our house, you know, now. And, uh, you know, it's a little further commute than we want. We're out kind of out in the boondocks up in Woodcrest, um, further away from the city than we want to be. But it's cheap. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we we bought our house in 09 when they, they were giving away houses for, you know, <laughs> gubble, bubble gum, you know. Um, so I just would rather stay there. So I'm sad that that's the life that your parents have set as an example for you, but you're not supposed to follow your parents' example. You're supposed to follow the example of Christ. That's who we're supposed to. And And part of being a Christian for all of us is turning from what we've been taught and being retaught by Jesus. Every single one of us has to do this. And I don't care if your parents love Jesus and are sold out for Christ. Not everything in their life is what the Bible is teaching. Mm -hmm. And that's the same true for my kids. At some point, my kids are going to have to turn away from some things that they've been taught and they're gonna have to turn to Jesus. They're gonna have to release some things to Jesus because Tammy and I are not perfect Christians. So my apologies, bro. That's a tough one. Well, what would you say to for this person who's maybe trying to turn away and do things differently than their parents, but it sounds like they still live with this family or around them. What are some good ways for them to honor their family, even yeah. though they may have a completely different perspective and are trying to Yeah, shift? don't be condescending. Don't be judgmental. Those are sins. Um, you know, first deal with the log in your eye before you deal with the speck in there. So really, really begin to evaluate and talk about, um, you know, just the things in your life. Uh, a couple of years ago, we had a, you know, a very wealthy family when we were actually buying our Hunter Park campus and their son donated his Porsche to the church. And, you know, his parents supported him in that. And I drove that Porsche for a week. It was so fun. <laughs> and then we sold it and put the money into the building. But um, I drove it every day. It was so fun. Um, you know, I have issues with Porsches. I, that's I my do. sin. That's yeah. my that's my one little side dream. That's secret. That's not soaked in the blood of Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, that's a better sight. Well, never mind. Yeah. So, yeah, man, I just, I, I love James Bond as a kid and they always had Porsches mm-hmm. and I just thought that that's the coolest car ever. I have ever. your little Porsche here. Yeah. Your so, mother-in-law I bought know. me a Porsche. She did. Uh, Mattel Porsche. Yeah. So it's actually in here yeah, somewhere. Yeah, it's in here somewhere. Um, yeah. So what I would say is be very, very careful. Make sure that you're loving, kind, and respectful and honor your parents and be appreciative that they've done well financially, mm-hmm. that they've made good decisions, that they've been good stewards, that you're... So Parents, you know, paid attention in school and studied mm-hmm. and worked hard because you don't get you don't get well to do in this country. I mean, outside of winning the lottery or an inheritance, 
which I don't think is helpful in either sense. The only way you, you gain money in this world is to do the right thing, work hard, make good decisions, be in the right place at the right time. I think those things are good so that you can contribute. I remember a couple of years ago, uh, I went to, uh, I think it was Catalyst and they had the CEO of Best Buy who at the time was doing great. Now they're falling apart. Mm-hmm. But Best Buy Electronics was literally, I think he, t- he said that year his bonus was 22 million. It's crazy. $22 million bonus. And he talked about that his wife, um, because they started off as literally store managers in Best Buy when they had nine stores. Hmm. So he was early on. So he's not making mm-hmm. you know, much more than a couple bucks over minimum wage. Yeah. And here he is now worth over $100 million. And he said his wife and, and him had decided two things. Number one, we want to honor God with our wealth. We're going to fund the kingdom. And then two, we're not going to spoil our children. Mm-hmm. And he said the hardest thing as parents was a lot of parents get to say, we can't afford that. And he, he just talked about how that helps. Mm-hmm. But he actually had to tell his kids no, because it's not good for them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and he felt like it would warp their sense of reality and, and right and wrong. And so it was, just, it was just really interesting. But here's this guy, the CEO of Best Buy, that's like everything we do. I think about Hobby Lobby. You know, they've made all this money. What did they do? They just spent a billion dollars on a museum in Washington, D.C. on the Bible just to communicate to the world how the Bible, and just so you guys know, the Bible is the most important book that's ever been written. There is not an ancient book in Hinduism, in, in, in China, in, in even in Greek culture that even begins to compare to the literary genius that is the Bible. So even if you don't believe it, it's the most important book in the history of the world that's been written. And there's, because our culture hates God, there's no museum dedicated to how this one book has shaped the world as we know it. And so Hobby Lobby did it, spent a billion dollars doing that. Um, And they give away all kinds of money. And so I just think that's great. Same thing with Chick-fil-A. They fund the kingdom of God and do things. And I'm not saying that these companies are perfect, but they've said, we're gonna dedicate our wealth to the glory of God. And and again, we're all gonna stand before God. And just so you guys know, you know, Tammy and I made the decision, when we die, a portion of our money is going to Sandals Church. So uh, 10% of our income, if our kids are not 30 years old, is going to go to Sandals Church. At a certain point, it'll be about 50% of all the wealth that we have will go to Sandals Church because when I'm standing before God on judgment day, I wanna know that my money that's on earth, it's not with me, it's still on earth. I wanna know that my money is still doing, even though I'm dead, what God called me to do. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, God didn't call me to make my kids rich. He called me to build his kingdom. And so... Um, I just think that's so important. And I don't know why more Christians don't think about their will that way. I mean, you are standing before the throne of God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think it would be great to mention, eh, okay, my, money is, my, doing? my money is still still serving. <laughs> it's plugging away. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, it's yeah, that, and Christians, it's that energizer money. Christians struggle. Man, I, I, hopefully one day I'm going to write a bunch of books, but one of the books <laughs> is going to be about the Bema Seat of Christ judgment. And so... Christians have confused the what? The bema seat. So what? the bema, bema means judgment. So okay. it's okay. the seat where you stand before judgment. Um, um, yeah, it's 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 where it's where you stand before the throne of God and are judged. And by the way, <clears throat> his name is Jesus. All Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, atheists, everybody will stand before Jesus uh, because Jesus says that God has entrusted all judgment to me. Uh, even Muslims believe that. Did you know that? Hmm. they believe that they will stand before Jesus. So Esau, the prophet, yeah. that's their name for him, is the judge. So isn't that interesting? They believe in Allah, but Esau is the one who determines 
their status with Allah. Mm-hmm. Crazy. So, um, you know, what was I saying? I just lost my point. You want to write a book about this? Yeah. Th- so the, here's what Romans says, Romans 8, 1. There is that now, therefore, no condemnation for mm-hmm. those who are in Christ Jesus. It does not say there is now, therefore, no judgment for those who are in Christ Jesus. What does to be condemned mean? Found guilty. Well, well. Death. Mm-hmm. Oh. To be condemned. So a condemned man is condemned to die. Okay. So there is that now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't mean that we don't stand before the judgment seat of God. And we, everything that we've done will be tested. The apostle Paul says this, all my works will be laid bare before God. What was straw, what was hay will all burn away. Only what was gold will remain. And he says, I will be tested as though through fire. And so, um, you know, Catholics have this thing called purgatory, which as, as evangelicals, you know, we don't believe in, but it's that idea of this temporary state of judgment where you are purified through fire. And so, um, and I'm not saying, don't freak out. I'm not saying I believe in purgatory. I'm just saying, we don't talk enough about, we are going to stand before God. I mean, the same guy who wrote, who writes, you know, the apostle Paul is the king of grace. The same guy says this, we will all give, listen to these words, a personal account before the Lord. There will be an accounting. Mm. What did you do? What, what did you do with your life? Doesn't mean you're going to hell. Doesn't mean that you're, you're, you're condemned. It means you will be judged. We will stand before the throne of God. So read um, Luke 12, all those passages about the king who's been away on a long journey, who comes back. What does he do? He judges each person. Claude Sermon, the parable of the talents. I've given you five. I've given you two. I gave so-and-so one. What did you do with the talents? And so, you know, it's hard to translate the guy with the one talent because he's thrown into the place of the weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, is that hell? Is it not hell? What, what does that mean? That's a difficult passage to translate and it would require about a week of study before I could comment on that. But but it's not good. Mm-hmm. Like if I said, Justin, you're going to spend in a week in weeping and the gnashing of teeth. I don't, I don't think that's a vacation. Doesn't sound great to me. Right. So we I'd just like to spend a week in Blaze Pizza. I know. There you go. Or a Chick Fil A. Think LeBron James mm-hmm. every time you do. Both of them. Because without his investment, we wouldn't have Blaze. Well, thank you. Yeah, Thanks he invested LeBron. like three million bucks in it, and he's made like three hundred million. Well, same with Beats headphones. That dude, it's a genius. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Stephanie, we, I think you all agree with me on this. Isn't the worst part of hosting the debrief when Pastor May asks us questions? Yes. I, thought, I thought your answer was pretty good. And he's like, well, <laughs> not like, exactly. And usually I, I like not stay say that. so quiet. I'm like, I'm going to no, answer. And then yeah, I like, went good. for this time and like, I su- didn't I stood, quite get there. I supported your answer. Dude, you are, you are with child. You have wisdom. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. There's two brains inside you right now. Oh, that's true. We're, we're here for the Q's, not the A's, brother. Okay, so... <laughs> Speaking of that, we got one last cue from our boy, Ricardo. I say our boy, I don't know. If we've never I met think, you before. Well, he also says my wife and I. Or you mean. No, I'm just saying we don't. We've never. We yeah. haven't. He's not a friend of the show. I mean. He's probably a friend of the show. He said it a question. Well, thank you. know Tim Holly, Tim Holly is a friend of I the show. I just totally forgot we're videoing. Oh, yeah. What's up? I don't everybody? think I've smiled. So I watched myself on video last week and yeah. I don't smile. I promise you all I'm not that upset. Mm-hmm. You're just focused. It's okay. Yeah, but Maybe these, we could these new up your cameras. We could tighten up your headphones a little so bit. They like pull your, these new pull cameras your are intense. Back. Yeah, I they're know. nice. You can't forget that you're on camera. Well, apparently you can, but this yeah. one's like really close to my face. Yeah. Can't forget that I'm a camera. I <laughs> forgot. I t- literally forgot until right now. Mm. Yeah. That's good, That's man. You're in the zone. You know, exactly. You're giving real answers to tough questions. Mm-hmm. And here's that last question. I'm giving real profile. 
Last question coming up from our boy, Ricardo. He says, my wife and I are new to Sandals Church. Welcome, but not to Christianity. We have been struggling financially for many months now, and it is getting worse. We started tithing almost immediately after we called Sandals home because we are strong believers in tithing, but sometimes we just can't, and I feel convicted. Mm. We're going through test after test financially, and my question is, why? Is my full trust in God not completely there? What are we doing wrong? Yeah, right. So, I mean... God doesn't promise that tithing will always be easy. He promises that if you continue in it, you will be blessed. So he does say, test me in this. So yeah, God's testing. But what you need to do is you need to come in, take a class, sit down with, what do we call it? I was going to say Financial Peace University, but that's not what it's called. Finding Financial Freedom. Finding Financial Freedom. We have amazing people that can sit down with you and look at your expenses and look at your income and help you to make sure that you have room to tithe. And so that's the first thing I would say is you, Ricardo, and your wife are unable at this point to get you out of your own hole. So you've got to invite somebody else who has more wisdom, who has more experience to come alongside and to help you. So quick note of clarity, everybody that does this, they're all like no it's nobody on staff. It's all just like mm-hmm. regular people that go to our church mm-hmm. that have Some um of the like, best budget spreadsheets I've yeah, ever exactly. seen in my life. Yeah, exactly. Kind of rebuilt their financial life and system mm-hmm. and they're really passionate about helping other people mm-hmm. uh, experience financial freedom. So. Yeah, and they're not there to judge you. They're yeah. there to love you and come alongside you and really help you figure out how to do this. You know, um, when I was in high school, I don't think they do this anymore, but we had basic uh, accounting and checkbooking class my senior in high school. Mm-hmm. Like you had to learn how to balance a checkbook and pay your bills. And I I don't think anybody does that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but w- you need to learn how to do that. And it's mm-hmm. not easy. And again, being a Christian is learning to say no to some impulses. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, one guy told me, I forget who said that, that I never take, they said I never take, it was Claude's sermon, he never takes cash to the mall. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he has to leave the mall, go home and come back if he still wants it. And that's that's a great way to do things, especially now with online shopping. It's so impulsive. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely impulsive and you got to be so careful. And so, um, you know, try to, you know, do what you can do. And so sometimes that means you don't run the air. I mean, man, Tammy and I've been there. You sweat it out, man. It's it's rough. Sometimes it means, you know, you don't go for a drive. You don't do this. You don't do that. You know, I'm having to work through this with my kids um, because, they're burning through money constantly. And I'm like, hey, you're broke. Cause I can see their accounts on my account. They can't see mine, but I can see theirs. I'm like, you are broke. What was <laughs> going on? So, um, and not all of us have somebody looking over our shoulder. It'd be mm-hmm. nice if the bank sent an email and said, dude, <laughs> what's <laughs> you up? You should slow it down. You should slow it down there. Um, you know, like, quit, quit, you're, not a Card- you're not a Kardashian. Yeah. Um, you know what? Uh, this is, uh, there was this one time years ago, I told this in the story one time, I was, I got really addicted to that Clash of Clans video game. Yeah. And I did the dumbest thing ever. And I spent $99 <gasps> on invisible coins, you know, like in yeah, whatever, yeah. Elixir or Oof. something along those lines. And my bank thought, no way is that guy is this, this dumb. grown man. Yeah, yeah. Literally, it was like 1.30 in the morning. I was staying up late playing on the iPhone. It was so dumb. And the bank just called me up and they were like, hey, did you mean to um, Did you mean to make this purchase? And I, I was like, I could say no and they could undo what I yeah, just did. They're like, did. excuse me, we'd like to speak to Justin Pardee, who's in his mid-30s. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're looking for a grown man. That yeah. Has yeah. A they, need to do, they need to do that a little bit more often. Yeah. Hey, just... Uh, yeah, are you sure you want to do this? Yeah, yeah but just know, okay... Being disciplined is not easy in any way. Mm -hmm. So if you're overweight, being disciplined with food is not easy. If you don't exercise, being disciplined, it's not easy. Um, You know, it's discipline is not easy. Doing the right thing is not easy. Doing the wrong thing is always the easy thing. And so we just have to understand, look, 
man, there's a reason the world is broken because it's easier to do the wrong thing than it is the right thing. And, and that's just the reality. And so what we have to do is we have to say, okay, I'm a sinner, mm-hmm. right? So what does Paul say? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all do that. All of us mess up. If we could be humble, be real about our finances, we'd be a lot healthier and a lot happier and just say, look, I make mistakes, I blow this, I mess this up. And so, um, that, again, the, the vision is to be real because the truth sets you free. You just gotta be truthful and sit down with somebody and humble yourself and say, okay, we're not good at this. Because you may need somebody that says you need to move into a smaller apartment. You know, not every child needs their own bedroom. My brother and I lived together many times. Our girls lived together for most of their life. Mm -hmm. It's okay. People Mm -hmm. can survive. Not everybody needs their own bedroom. You know, you don't need a huge yard with tons of grass. And, you know, then you got to buy a lawnmower. Then you got to have yard. I mean, we all make these decisions and, um, you know, you don't need all that. You just don't need all that. And um, you'd be amazed at what you can get away with. You know, I think about my grandparents' house. They raised two kids in a three bedroom, 700 square foot, one bath house, Mm. Mm -hmm. one bath house. My grandpa added a garage, I think 10 years in, but they paid cash for it. Mm -hmm. Never had a house payment, you know? And, and, you know, now my, my grandma just passed away last year. They had to sell it. And I think they sold that house for like 85 grand. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it was in uh, Northern California. So not Southern California, but it just, it just wasn't worth a lot. They lived their whole life in it and they were fine. Mm -hmm. Absolutely fine. They don't, they don't need anything. Mm-hmm. And you know, when my, my grandma died, I think she had like 300 grand in her checking account, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and the woman wouldn't pay $8 for a haircut, you know? So <laughs> it's just, it's just a different, different, you know, season. But mm-hmm. if you save a little over time, God's going to bless you. And again, here's the prayer. If you want, if you want God to increase your wealth, say, God, I want to be a river, not a reservoir. You know, reservoirs are damned. So, so we hold it in. You want to be a, ri- a, a river so that it flows through you. And, and money flows through you. And, and that's what's so important, to be generous, to be a giver. And um, again, evaluate your life, not by the things that you have, by what you give. That's the standard of Jesus. You know, Jesus didn't have a mansion. He didn't have a big business. Jesus didn't have the best-selling book. You know, Jesus was measured, his life was measured based upon what he, what he gave. Uh, Mark 10, 45, for the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. It's one of the first verses I memorized when I gave my life to Christ when I was 21 years old, mm-hmm. that my life is to be a gift. So just just try to live that way. How can I give? How can I be loving? Uh, you know, How can I open up my house for a small group? How can I pour into my small group? If I, if, I, if I work with the kids, how can I give to these kids? How can I love these kids? How can I do those things? That's the path of Christianity. Here's the path of the world. What do I get out of small group? What do I get out of church? What do I get out of teaching kids? What do I get out of my money? None of that is Christ-like. You're actually headed in the wrong direction. Mm. So Christ says, what can I give? My selfishness says, what do I get? Mm. Those are those are two different paths. And so, um, you know, when per, when people first start coming to Sandals, they come because they get something out of it. And that's mm-hmm. good. I don't want it to be useless. Yeah. But as you mature and as you grow, you need to shift from what do I get to what can I give? Mm-hmm. That's how you know you've switched paths. That's how you know you've gone from the broad road to the narrow road is when your life is about what can I give, not what can I get. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't want you to give so much that you impoverish yourself because then you, you then create a need for the church to take care of you. Mm-hmm. So your first responsibility as a Christian is to be able to sustain and support yourself. Um, and then you need to give to the Lord out of that. Then once we do that, then we give to others. Mm-hmm. We create more and more margin 
so that we can we can give. And and you know, um, I love Claude. I think he did a great uh, job. Um, you know, I, I just appreciate him and and love him and was so thankful that he was willing to take that difficult topic on because it's it's a challenge. But you know, Claude for most of his time at Sandals has been a church member just like you guys. Yeah. It's just recently that he came on staff, but he he's coming at it from your perspective. He's sitting in the seats, mm-hmm. watching the message and following our church. And so you just gotta understand he's one of you guys and he's challenging you to live this kind of life. And you can do a lot with a little. Mm-hmm. See, the lie is I need a lot of money to make a big difference. If we all pool our resources together, if we all do this, we can do great things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can't give millions of dollars, but when we come yeah. together, we can. Yeah, totally. We can do great things and we can make a big difference. And, um, you know, we're, we're able to do that. And and I, I'm just so blessed, you know, um, you know, we're planting these 500 churches. I got um, a phone call from a good friend of mine, um, you know, Joseph Barkley, I think you yeah. know him. You know, and, and he's building a great church out in LA and LA needs great churches and they're struggling a little bit financially. And um, he was just saying, hey, I'm just calling out to, you know, like-minded Christian churches and, and can anybody help? So we sent him 10 grand. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're not an affiliation in, in any way, shape or form, but just as a church, we just said, man, we, we just want to give that to you. Mm-hmm. We want to help be a part of just alleviating the burden a little bit. So, because we want healthy, God-loving, trusting churches in um, Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, I think that's Hollywood, important. I think. So, yeah, Hollywood. So <clears throat> we we sent them the check, and it wasn't a ton of money, but we're able to do that as the church. It's not in our budget, but we're able to do that because Brian Chalette, Dan Zambardi, our two executive pastors, create margin. Mm-hmm. And so, if you don't have margin, you you don't have an opportunity to do new ministry. You just don't. Um, you're not able to write a check. And and here's the thing for me, you know, for those of you, um, you know, Tammy and I went to a, um, a, a fundraiser on Saturday night for a local ministry in our church. And Tammy just said, are we going to give? And I said, of course. Mm-hmm. And so what did we give? What, what we had, a little bit extra. And, and I just, I, if, if I can write a check, I like to, I like to do that because mm-hmm. I think that that's what Jesus would do. If I agree with it, if I'm passionate about it, and I can't always do that, especially with like a lot of the missionaries in our church, we're not able to sign up for monthly support. So what we like to do is give a gift, mm-hmm. just say here, because I want to be a part of people that are going. Mm-hmm. And I can't, you know, we, there's only so much money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't support everybody, um, but we, we can do something to say here. Mm-hmm. You know, we love you guys and we're praying for you. And, and I think that's important and um, it's a big deal. So I'll be praying for all of you guys and your mm-hmm. finances and know this, you will never go to a church where the pastor prays for your finances as much as I do, mm-hmm. because you can't give what you don't have. Mm-hmm. And if Sandals Church doesn't give, Sandals Church doesn't exist. It does not exist. And so just know this, if you're new to a listener, you know, I was at Palm Avenue, uh, Sandals Palm Avenue on Sunday. We, we put, I think, $1.2 million into that campus the last, you know, three months um, so that we can reach about a thousand people. That's my prayer, a thousand people. Don't you attend that campus? Mm-hmm, I do. Yeah. So it was beautiful, man. When I we know, went in there, I just cool. couldn't believe how amazing it looks and just the difference and that new screen is going to be incredible. Oh, yeah. So um, super excited about that campus. We, you know, we also did a floor signing at our banding campus. You know, we put about $600,000 in that campus and then about $1.4 million into the San Bernardino campus outside of the $1.2 million that we had to pay off their debt. So why did we do that? Um, because God wants us to give. San Bernardino is an impoverished community that's very, very needy, but they need the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just Orange County and LA and Beverly Hills and Malibu. Those aren't the only people who need Jesus. 
Um, and as a church, I want to make sure that we care as much about poor communities and impoverished communities as we do wealthy communities. And so we wanted to do that and, and, and we and we did that. And so um, just know that we can't do that without your guys giving. We just can't do it. And, um, and that's a lot of money. That's money that we're giving away. You know, we don't have a big pile of gold where we're collecting. <laughs> we use the money you give to build God's church. And that's what I shared. I think you were there when mm-hmm. the floor signing. I said, if you want to know where your money goes, you're looking at it. Yeah. This is what we do with money. We invest in staff to come alongside and teach you what it means to be a Christian. Um, you know, because really Sandals has two purposes in the weekends. It's to invite people to follow Jesus and then to teach them how to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Every single message, if he's like, well, I don't know what your point is. It's two things, to invite people to follow Jesus and then to teach them how to follow Jesus. Because uh, a lot of people who call themselves Christians have no idea how to follow him. And giving is one of the most crucial elements of following Jesus. Um, you've got to be a giver. And so um, like Claude said, Jesus talks about money more than any other issue, mm-hmm. more than prayer, mm-hmm. more than love, more than sin, anything. I mean, literally, if you took the New Testament and you laid it out every sixth verse, you know what Jesus is talking about? Money. Money. She's a genius. Yeah. You were a little slow. I, I, this I don't I answer your questions anymore. It's, yeah. it's too money. It's that too one, risky. That one felt like a softball. It did. You know, so so why would a guy who seemed to care so little about money talk about it so much? The beam of seat. Because we care about it. The mm. beam of seat. Yeah. It's just a Greek word. <laughs> Yeah. So, all right. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, All right, friends, get some friends to look at your money with you and have some fun. Yeah. And if you are struggling and trying to figure out how to get to that point where you can be generous, we do offer some really great financial resources here at Sandals Church. We'll throw the link to that in the show notes at debrief.show slash 102, or you can look that up at move.sc slash real finance. You can find all the things about all of our financial classes there when they're starting up next, how to join the interest list. But you can also get that just in our show notes. Just remember debrief.show slash 102. We would love to have you check out the show notes there. Yeah, and let me just say this. I know many of you feel like, oh, tithing is so hard. Everything Jesus asks us to do is hard, Mm -hmm. but it is good. And so you have to ask yourself, you know, if I want to live the good life, I'm going to have to accept some hard things Mm -hmm. because doing good things is hard sometimes. But there's the blessing, uh, and that's why we're ending every week with a blessing, is the blessing is doing the good thing. Mm-hmm. Think about our world if everybody did what was good, right, and true. Think about our world, right? It's a different world. And we're going to live in that world. It's called the new heaven and the new earth. So we're practicing getting ready for a world that's good, right, and true. And, um, you know, we, we, I think that's our best testimony to people is when we are good people, when we do the right things and we are truthful. You know, it's never the wrong time to tell the truth. Just tell the truth. Just be honest. It's so much better. And don't miss this next weekend because we're going to be talking a lot about anxiety and stress and worry. And I think a lot of our anxiety and stress comes from being untruthful and doing the wrong things. I think our conscience, um, you can't lie to your conscience. It knows. And I think it, it wakes you up at night. And so a good way to deal with anxiety and stress, and you're going to hear about this weekend, but is to do the right thing. Mm. So even when it affects you negatively. Think about that. Mm. You put the awe and awkward. 